Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to The Other 99, a podcast to equip the church for community, discipleship, and mission. Uh, we're your hosts. My name is Guy Wimberly. I'm Bethany McFarland. And I'm David Godbold. All right, y'all, welcome to another episode of The Other 99. We are continuing with our series of lay interviews. We have an incredibly special guest tonight, Ashley Patterson. She is one of uh, Bethany's dear friends, so I'm going to let her finish out this introduction. Guy, have fun editing that so around. As David said, we are talking with Ashley Patterson tonight. She is one of the happiest individuals I've ever known, and that's usually how I introduce you to people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but one thing that I think is really special about her is almost five years ago, she had a double lung transplant, and just the way that that has helped her see the gospel and just created a new joy for life. Um, it's something that I've always found very inspiring and just wanted her to be able to share her story with all of you guys. So, Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Well, I'm 34 years old. I grew up in a little tiny town in Mississippi called Natchez. Most of you probably haven't heard of it. Um, Except actually, for Guy Wimberly. Oh, I forgot. Guy is from there. That's yeah. amazing. Um, we're going to have to talk Small about that guy later. <laughs> Small world. Yeah, I grew up in Natchez, a little tiny town down in South Mississippi. I've lived all over the South, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia. And I ended up here in Atlanta around six years ago. After meeting my husband, we got transferred here. I have a bachelor's degree in biology and a master's degree in occupational therapy. And again, I told you about my husband. I'm married to an incredibly sweet man named Tyler. He is the light of my life, my rock, and the love of my life. Love you, honey. <laughs> and shout out. To, I know, right? <laughs> feel free to take that out if you need to. But um, I was I was born with cystic fibrosis. Um, and as Bethany said, I had a double lung transplant uh, four years and seven months ago. So coming up on five years this July, I'm very involved with the Georgia Transplant Foundation, and I've spoken at a number of their events over the last few years. And I've also been involved a lot in their mentoring program. I've had two specific people under me that have been mentored through the whole transplant process. They are dear friends of mine now and have really, we've really come to be close through that you know, whole crazy medical process. And just this fall, I actually spoke at a fashion show slash fundraiser <laughs> oh, wow. that was very fun. It's called Trends and Transplant, held here in Atlanta through 313 Salon. And so that was a really awesome experience to get to get up and speak with other transplant patients about our journey and to be an advocate for raising money for transplants because they are very expensive. So that's a little bit about me. 
So I've gotten to talk to Bethany a little bit about, about your story, gotten to hear a little bit from her and, and getting to talk to you a little bit before we hit record on this. Uh, one of the more significant aspects of your life, I guess you could say, this was, expi- uh, you know, significant was getting a double lung transplant. I'd say that's kind of, <laughs> yes. you know, high up there on that list. But yes. <laughs> would you mind just kind of talking about the circumstances and, and, and just everything leading up to that moment where you got the call that the transplant was on and and you needed to do whatever the next step was to actually get those transplanted in yes so first i would really like to address what is cystic fibrosis a lot of people are not familiar with the disease and don't really know anything about it they may have heard of someone that has it but they may not know exactly what the process is of CF, the disease process of CF is. And here on out, I'll probably refer to cystic fibrosis as CF. So it's a lot easier to say. Yes. So CF is, it's a genetic disease and it primarily affects the lungs and digestive organs. And the, re, uh, the way that it does that is it causes your body to produce thicker mucus throughout your whole entire body than most people. And the mucus, especially in the lungs, can trap bacteria that you may inhale or come in contact with on your, you know, hands and maybe touch your face. And it can cause infections. And eventually, it actually causes irreversible damage in your lungs. And so, your lung, there's eventually your lungs can become so damaged that they you may need new lungs. And also, it also affects again your digestive system. So. You may need a pancreas transplant one day or a liver transplant, depending on how severe your CF is, but most people have the most trouble with their lungs. Currently, there's no cure for cystic fibrosis, and the median age for those living with CF is only 37, so a lot of people are very young when they need transplants. They are, that's why a lot of CF people do well with transplants is because they are transplanted so young that their body is still able to handle the transplant. I want to talk a little bit about living with CF. Living with with CF is an incredibly intense experience because it's a very intense, it's a very intense disease. So treatments for the disease are very time consuming and they include, you know, pills for digestion and nutrition antibiotic breathing treatments multiple times a day that can take up to hours of your day, being hospitalized, you know, weeks out of the year, or maybe being put on home IV antibiotic treatments multiple times a year. Uh, You may even become diabetic because your pancreas may be affected, and so you may have to give yourself shots or other things. So it's a very intense disease, and it requires day-by-day constant monitoring. I was lucky that when I was born, my mom had an awesome pediatrician and she, the, the guy that was her pediatrician actually predicted that I had CF before I was born. And since I was born in the early early 80s, they didn't know a lot about cystic fibrosis. They kind of knew what it was, but they didn't exactly know what it was. So I was very lucky that I had a doctor that, um, that my mom picked a doctor that knew about CF because it was such new research and such new genetics. Growing up, I was, you know, a pretty normal kid. My parents were really good about treating me the same as everyone else. I grew up in a small town, and I, it was a miracle that I had a doctor around that knew about CF and was able to treat that. So my high school years were pretty normal. I wasn't sick a lot. My mom was very protective of me. 
And then college happened. And in college, you know, rebellious me decided that I wasn't going to do treatments anymore. And I was sick of having to do that every day. And so I skipped a lot of treatments. I skipped a lot of medication and ended up in the hospital and actually had to drop out a semester in college because of that. But also was very mad at God during that time. I, my dad was a pastor. I'd become a Christian in middle school and I loved the Lord and I, I loved God and I knew who God was and but I, I didn't understand why he allowed me to have cystic fibrosis. My brother does not have it, but I was the lucky one that got it. Um, and, you know, I rebelled a lot in college. Unfortunately, I, you know, it makes me sad thinking back on that time. But um, I really walked away from God and I was really angry and confused about my purpose and how I had value in life. You know, I never thought I would get married. I never thought anybody would want me the way that I was, you know, coughing up stuff all the time, um, stomach aches all the time, you know, just, just, I never thought that I would get married. And then God took me to grad school. And in grad school, I met this guy and he changed my life. You know, Tyler, my, my now husband realized, made me realize that I was worth something and made me realize that, you know, that I, that I was something in God's eyes. And, and so, you know, it was just, it was an, it was a real life-changing time for me. And during that time, I continued to get kind of sicker and sicker. Um, Tyler and I got married back to Mississippi and we're there. And then after we got married, my dad got diagnosed with cancer and that took a, a huge toll on my health. It was a two-year thing, my dad, you know, suffering with cancer, and he did end up passing away from that, and um, it was just a really stressful time searching for God, and, you know, where was God? I, I wasn't sure, and, you know, my dad had served God faithfully for years and years, and here he was, you know, dying of cancer, and so, and so went through another just really crazy spiritual awakening through that time, and, and grief, and searching for God, and, so during that time, like I said, I got sicker and sicker. Um, right after my dad passed, we moved here to Atlanta. We've been here six years now, but when we first moved, that first year I was in the hospital 260-something days out of 365, so two-thirds Holy of the God. year. Yeah, two-thirds of the year I was in the hospital, so I basically lived there, and my lung function dropped further and further, and there was just nothing they could do. You know, you can... I became immune to all the antibiotic treatments I was breathing in. And um, by the time it was, they had, by the time they told me that it was time for transplant, they had pretty much said I was immune to every antibiotic but one. So my husband and I prayed about it. We decided that transplant was the way to go. And I went on the transplant list January 30th of 2013 and waited five months for the call. And I got the call on July 19th, 2013 at five o'clock <laughs> in Atlanta traffic. And I was trying to get down to the hospital and it was just so surreal thinking, you know, hey, my life's about to completely change. I'm not going to be in the hospital all the time. I'm not going to have to do breathing treatments anymore. So, you know, it was, it was, it was a crazy time, but it was also a precious time because God spoke into my life a lot during that year of being so sick and uh, being on the transplant list. Um, he really healed a lot of my wounds and, you know, I was ready to go whether the transplant was successful or not. And um, I will say my, my 
my loved ones were very supportive. My husband was amazing. He was there for me all the time. And um, just, you know, the amount of support and they gave, you know, my friends and family gave money. We raised $30,000. We had to have that much money to get ready for the transplant. And so, so it was just an amazing time of, be, of watching God be faithful and watching God um, do some things that we never thought he would do. And then to actually get a call that I had lungs waiting for me um, <laughs> was just an amazing experience. And that was totally God's provision. I know one story that Tyler likes to tell is the day you got the call. Ashley really likes Duck Dynasty. <laughs> I do. <laughs> quack, quack. <laughs> so Tyler says, like, as soon as she got the call, she ran upstairs and threw on her happy, happy, happy shirt. Yes. And came back down and was just screaming happy, happy, happy over and over again. That's funny. <laughs> yes. I do have one to edit to that story. I did not run at any point that year. However, I did immediately go to my closet and get the happy, happy, happy shirt. And there are pictures of me wearing that with my oxygen on headed to the hospital. So it's a good story for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sharing all of that. I know one part of your transplant story that's really struck me is just the compassion that you've had for your donor and your donor's family. Um, would you be willing to share with us maybe some of the ways that you've been intentional to remember them throughout your life? Sure. I might cry during this part, but I'll try my best not to. That is absolutely <laughs> I might cry during this part. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to process. Um, someone being willing to take that step to allow you to live longer, um, it's hard. It's a hard thing to process, like I said. Um, and one of the ways, you know, I, rem- I remember my donor in a multiple, multiple, dif- a multitude of different ways. Um, one of those is the night that I got the call. I was waiting on the. I was waiting. I was on a gurney, and I was fully dressed out. Um, I was sterile. Nobody was allowed to touch me, and I was waiting to go back into the OR room. And I remember being pretty nervous probably the nervous most nervous you could ever be and so I you know I didn't know if I would wake up and I didn't know how I would do and um, I knew that God a long time ago had promised me lungs Um, I know that sounds a little crazy but I just always knew I would get a transplant I just had this peace in my heart about it but you know I am human and so I was freaking out a little bit before we went back to the operating room um but when they wheeled me in that operating room, I remember it was so chaotic. There was probably about 50 people in the room um, getting things ready, um, preparing equipment, um, putting me on the table and me looking up at the ceiling and these crazy lights. And, you know, they're tying my arms down and making sure I'm comfortable and covering me up and asking me a million different questions. Um, but the one thing that I can stop think about thinking about was that someone had lost someone that they loved that night. Um, Sorry. And so right before they went to put the sedation mask on me, um, I asked the OR doctor, I said, wait a minute, I can't go into this transplant without saying a prayer for this family and a prayer for my family and a prayer for myself and and for you that we can all make it through this. And so... um, 
God just really impressed upon me that it was important to pray for that family and that person at the time. And so we had a prayer, and I think that's when it first, you know, impressed upon me that this person who I'm, you know, may never know, I don't know, um, hopefully one day in heaven I'll be able to meet them, but um, that they, um, they were, you know, had given me the ultimate gift. And so we prayed for them that night, and Tyler and I, my husband and I, have made a conscious effort that we have a lot we call it my lung anniversary party every year it's like my anniversary but my lung anniversary and it's a party and it's a party (laughs) it's a fun party (laughs) but um we make a point to celebrate not only my life but the life of um you know my donor um my angel donor that's what I call him my angel donor and I you know I make a point to remember them every day you know as much as I can because without them I would not be here and without their family I would not be here but I realized that that day um that while I was going through something that would change my life for the better and was the most exciting thing that ever happened to me someone else that was their worst day ever and that they were grieving and um the fact that they wanted to help save other people's lives was just amazing I mean um you know, so I'm just very thankful to my donor. I try to recognize them and, like Bethany said, be intentional about remembering them. And, um, again, I hope I get to meet them one day <laughs> in heaven. I hope. <laughs> now that would be a party. Yeah, yeah. total party. <laughs> we would rock it out. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so you, you've, you've alluded to the way that, that your faith has kind of woven through this whole story uh, I'm, I'm curious to just hear how all your experiences with CF and and your transplant and your lung anniversary parties how all of these these viewpoints have these experiences have reframed the way that you see the gospel well I would say it's reframed quite a bit for me um it's been a learning process, learning how to be a new person because I feel like my, you know, my old life was um, having CF, and while I do still have CF, my new my new life is so different, mm-hmm. um, and it's different for the better. But it's not easy um, having a transplant. It's not easy. I still spend a lot of time down at the hospital doing blood work and other things. I don't have to do the breathing treatments anymore, but it is new. And it, it does make me think of salvation, how, you know, before, um, we have these beat up nasty lungs. We have this nastiness about us. And, and after we're saved, God brings us new things and good things. And it's not always easy, but it's better and it's good. Mm. Um, and so it, it reminds me a lot of the gospel and it also reminds me, um, one of the stories that I kind of relate to is that, um, you know, this person, while they may not have intentionally sacrificed for me, um, they sacrificed for me, you know, and, um, I, you know, I'm alive today because of that person. And I think about how Jesus, you know, sacrificed for us. Um, and he intentionally did it. You know, he went to the cross willingly and, you know, he saved us. And so, um, in a, in a roundabout way, it does, make me think of that um and it does reframe my view of um 
what life is supposed to be like. You know, I don't want these lungs to go to waste. I don't want mm. to live my life um, in a way that doesn't please God. I want I want to take these lungs and, and do something better with my life and hopefully, you know, make it good for the gospel and something that God would love. And so, so that's kind of how things have been reframed for me. Thanks for sharing with us, Ashley. I know I've always appreciated um, just hearing your heart and hearing your story. I know our listeners will too. So to kind of bring this to a close, one, I guess, stat that I've heard is like 95% of people are in favor of organ transplants, but I think it's less than 50% of the eligible population are actually registered. So just coming from your experiences, and since you are so involved with the Georgia Transplant Foundation and the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, what encouragement would you have for individuals who might be on the fence about being organ donors or who are in favor of it, just haven't registered yet? Well, I guess the encouragement that I have is that First off, when it is your time, you're not going to need your organs, but other people (laughs) would love to have them. Um, There are 21 people that die waiting for organ transplants every day. Um, And there are 5,400 people just in Georgia alone that are on the list waiting for some kind of solid organ transplant, whether that's pancreas, liver, kidneys, intestines, uh, lungs, heart, um, and so, you know, there are ways that you can help out if you are willing to. Um, and I want to do, I do want to say, I know this is a little morbid, but a lot of people worry that if they donate that they're not going to be able to be buried or, you know, have a funeral afterwards, but that's just not the truth. You can still be buried if you want to after you know, after you donate your organs, you can still have a lovely service for your family or your family members. Um, and you just never know. You can help for every one person that donates, they can, they can save up to eight people's lives. Um, and that is just so huge. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're not just talking about adults. We're talking about children. Um, we're talking about people that, you know, may live 80 years with, you know, organ transplant, um, donation. And so I would just um, encourage you to just think about it and pray about it. Um, Only about 45% of um, people are registered for organ donation. Um, And it varies wildly by state. I think New York state is only like 12%, um, but Alaska is like 80%. I couldn't find the specific um, number for Georgia, but... Again, there are, you know, thousands of people waiting. Um, and so um, I just want to encourage you to just pray about it. You can help so many people. Uh, and again, you know, you're not going to need them. So, you know, <laughs> um, I know that sounds really morbid and that sounds really bad. And I hope that doesn't come across that way. But, you know, you can save a lot of lives and make a difference in people's lives. I mean, I call these my bonus years. I've, you know, been here almost five bonus years. So that's been an incredible experience. So um, that would be my encouragement is just think about how many lives you can save and the lives you can change with that. So, All right. I think that's a fantastic way to transition into recommendation station, the greatest part of every episode that everybody's looking forward to. We're going to do things a little different tonight. Rather than us going around and each giving one recommendation, we're just going to let Ashley take it all. Uh, 
and Woo-hoo. give ways that we can get involved, ways that we can sign up, ways that we can learn more. So, Ashley, jump on that train and take it. Okay, toot toot. Um, the first <laughs> way is if you do live in Georgia, you're welcome to go to Georgia Transplant um, Foundation's website. The website is um, gatransplant.org. Um, again, gatransplant.org. Um, and that website will allow you to see um, what's going on with the Georgia Transplant Foundation, where their fundraisers are going to be, um, if you have any questions about transplant or local transplant centers, or if you knew, know someone that needs a transplant or may need a transplant in the future. You can find all those resources on g gatransplant.org. Um, another place you can go if you are just curious about cystic fibrosis is the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation's website, and that is www.cff.org. www.cff.org. You can find out everything you need to know about cystic fibrosis. Um, there are tons of treatment ideas, um, contact information for providers. Um, and doctors, um, anything you need to know about cystic fibrosis is on there. And um, there are also um, information about fundraisers on there as well. Um, but the biggest one to talk about tonight is donatelife.org. Donatelife.org is where you can sign up to be an, an organ donor. Um, that is a particularly important website because we want everyone to sign up to be an organ donor. But that's you can. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can check out that website. And again, they can answer all of your questions about why you should donate, um, what you can donate, and how. Um, so definitely check out that website. So those are my recommendations. Hey, awesome. thanks. Fantastic. So one just kind of off-the-cuff question I do have for you. So sorry you didn't prepare for this. Throwing you a curveball. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got to put you on the spot at some point. Okay. Um, but just throughout, like, your entire recovery process and also just the times you've been in and out of the hospital since then, what are some things, just very practical, hands-on ways your community has loved you well? And for those listeners of ours who um, maybe know someone who's going through similar circumstances. What are some ways we can just be the hands and feet of Christ? Mm. Ooh, good one, Bethany. All right. I've got to think on this on my feet. Um, so I think a few of the ways um, that you can really help people that are maybe thinking about transplant or have just gone through one or going through one. Um, number one is to ask them what they need. I think a lot of people don't ask what they need. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, my husband was stuck in the hospital with me for weeks and weeks and weeks um, and ate hospital food every day. And we were lucky to have people bring him food or bring me food. Um, I know that food sounds like such a typical way to help support someone, but um, it really does make a big difference. Um, Also ask about, you know, dietary needs um, because there were certain foods I couldn't eat after a transplant. Um, So bringing people food, especially after they get home from the hospital, um, is very helpful, takes a lot of stress off of um, new transplant patients. There's so many new medications and things you have to learn. Um, I can't even tell you how complicated the entire process is. And so it takes a while to balance everything out. And because you're at the hospital so much and doing things at the hospital so much, um, it's it's it makes it a lot easy when you don't have to worry about where your next meal is going to come from. So that's one of the ways. Um, another way is just just pray for them. Um, pray for pain control. Pray for patience. Pray for 
you know, medications to be correct. Um, pray for their emotional health. Pray for their spiritual health. It's a big transition. It's a lot of new medication that really throws it through my mind off quite a bit um, and made me very emotional. And, um, and so just, you know, pray for patients, for not just the person that's gone through a transplant or is sick, really pray for their spouse. Their spouse needs to be able to just hug them and love them and tell them it's going to be okay. So yeah, I would definitely say that's number two. Number three, I would say, you know, for me, I couldn't drive for almost six months after my transplant. So offer them rides. Um, Offer them, you know, if you have some free time to maybe take them to like a store or, you know, take them out and just drive them around just to be with them, you know, just one-on-one time and spending time um, with them is just, you know, big deal because a lot of people are alone right after transplant and, um, and so they don't have, you know, a lot of their friends can't come around, especially if they're sick because they're lower of the immune system. And so, you know, just, just ask them what they need. I guess, does that answer the question? Yeah, okay. oh, that's perfect. Like, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Oh, that's amazing. That's, that's a great way to end it. Yeah, that's one of those things, like, food's always the first thing I think of, but Mm -hmm. that's just because I really enjoy cooking. Right. So, to hear you say that actually is a helpful thing is really good for people to hear. I can't even tell you, like, it was so huge for us, like, people bringing us food or giving us gift cards. Like, it was so huge to have people care for us that way because... You know, when my husband's trying to work and take care of me and I can't lift anything over eight pounds because of my scar, you know, then I'm not able to pick up a gallon of milk. I'm not able to do those things. And so food was a huge, mm-hmm. huge deal. Um, and, and rides were a huge deal, like being able to take me to an appointment or take me somewhere because I couldn't drive and my husband's working. And so, you know, those things were a big deal. The biggest, I guess it was hard because you know, had such a low immune system, people really couldn't come help me. And so you just had to be really picky and choosy about who could come help. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause if they were sick in any way, you know, it wasn't good for them to be there. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think those are the biggest ways. Top three. All right, guys, that's our show. If you like what you hear, we ask that you would rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Please find us on Facebook at The Other 99 Podcast. We also have a Facebook group, The Other 99 Podcast Community. We are on Instagram and Twitter at The Other 99 Pod. And please always feel free to email us feedback, any questions you may have, people you think we should be talking to. Our email is theother99podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to get in touch with Ashley, maybe hear some more from her, be interested in having her speak at an event, um, you're welcome to reach out to us, and we'll be sure to put you in contact with her as well. So email us at theother99podcast at gmail.com. We will be back in touch in two weeks. Henry's saying bye. Yeah, Henry's bye. Time for us to go. (laughs) Bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.